Parshas Kisese, honoring his presence. In this week's Sedra, we are introduced to the Jewish soldier who is going out to battle on behalf of his people. Kitetse machane al oivecha. When you go out in a camp against your enemies, and we note something queer about the apportances that he carries with him. In addition to his weapons of war, his sword, his bow and arrow, and his lance, he also had a stick dangling at his side, a shovel of sorts. That's how you could recognize a Jewish soldier. He had a small shovel hanging on his belt. I'm sure there were other things too that made him different from a Gentile soldier. Many things, but it's this one that our Parsha points out. He has with him a tool for digging. A shovel? For what? And so the Pasuk explains as follows. You should designate a place outside of the army camp. Wherever the Jewish soldiers set up camp, a certain area was designated outside of the camp boundaries. It means when a soldier has to relieve himself, he must walk out of the camp to take care of his needs. You can't make your functions inside the machane. And even when you go out, that's not enough. You have to take that shovel with you. And you will use it to dig a hole. And then you will use it again to cover up the waste. That's why it's a Torah law that every Jewish soldier must have with him a shovel. Now that's quite an interesting introduction to the subject of a Jewish army going out to war. We would have thought it would tell us about preparations for battle, war maneuvers, or at least about certain prayers that should be said. And I'm sure that was done too. But the first thing the Torah tells us is that you have to make sure to keep the camp clean. There shouldn't be any excrement, no dirt or odor. Now, there's no question that to keep the camp sanitary is a good thing. Any army camp would do well to have such a policy, but from the Pesukim it seems to be a very important thing, one of the most important. And it is. The Torah continues, Ki Hashem Elokecha You have to follow this procedure because Hashem, your God, is walking amidst your camp. To rescue you from your enemies. When Jews go out to battle, the Shekhinah comes down to help them. That's how it was. A camp of Jewish soldiers going out to war by order of the Sanhedrin was a place where the Shekhinah was. Oh, that's already something different. The Shekhinah is here. That already requires an adjustment in our behavior. He shouldn't see anything shameful, anything unsightly in the camp. And the Shekhinah will turn back from you. And forsake you. That's what it means, Kippushuto. It doesn't mean he sees any sin. But there's something that's not clean there. And if the camp is not a dignified place, if there are spots here and there where refuse is dropped and flies gather, the camp is not considered worthy of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch And that's already enough to cause the Shekhinah to depart. So here's a soldier. He's not doing anything wrong, he thinks. He can't deny his natural urges. So he goes off someplace and he performs his needs. But he doesn't cover it up. That's all. What's the sin 
Is that so wicked? The answer is that when you know the Shekhinah is here, then even that is a wickedness. When the Shekhinah is present, it requires an entirely different way of behaving. Your demeanor changes, the way you speak, the things you say, the things you do. You don't act in front of a king the way you act in front of a nobody. And if chas v'shalom you do, if you're disrespectful, then v'shav me'acharecha, the Shekhinah will forsake you. And that means everything. If he won't be there to aid you in battle, then all the military maneuvers and all the prayers in the world won't help. All the weapons won't help unless the Jewish soldier has with him a yased al-azinecha. In addition to his weapons, a shovel too. Before I continue, I'll say one thing that shouldn't have to be said, but because there's so much confusion today, I'll take the time to say it. When we say Jewish soldier, that has nothing at all to do with the Israeli army. Kiteitze machane al oivecha means when you go out to fight a battle that the Chachme HaToyra commanded you to go out and fight. It's a camp where the Aron Habris goes out with you, a place of Kedusha and Limutoyra. That's an army camp that brings down the Shechina. The army of the Medina is the opposite of Kedusha. The purpose of the army is to make Jews into Israelis. They themselves say that the Israeli army is specifically set up for the purpose of breaking down the morality of the Amus Royal. A general in the Israeli army wrote that in his book. I won't quote now his exact words, because we're in shul. But anyone who knows anything knows that it's a place of Ervas Davar. Of course, they fight wars too. They defend Jews. No question about it. And we pray that they should succeed in protecting the from Yishuv. But it's not a holy camp. In the ancient times, however, we had an army, not of Israelis, but of Jews. And so they fulfilled the Pasuk of Vihaya Machanecha Kadosh. Your camp should be made holy. And how do you make the camp a holy place for the Shekhinah to come down? By behaving in a way that shows you're aware of the Shekhinah. Even something as natural as taking care of your needs is done with the awareness that you're in the presence of the Shekhinah. That's a machane kadosh. That's the great lesson of our Pasuk. We are the ones who bring the Shekhinah into our lives. It's how we behave, the respect we show for the presence of the Shekhinah walking amidst our camp that makes it a place that's fitting for him to come. And the more you put into it, the more you act in a way that befits the Shekhinah, the more the Shekhinah comes down. And it's a principle that applies not just to the army camp, but to anywhere that the Shekhinah is. Now we know that the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere. He's in the entire universe. The truth is that Le'es Asar Panoi Minei there isn't any space that's vacant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But we learn from the Torah and from the reiterated statements of our sages that there is such a thing as Shekhinah, which means the intensification of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Our sages in Gemara Sanhedrin give a mashal. It's like the sun shining. It's midday and the whole world is flooded with light. Not only is there an abundance of sunshine on the street, but even in the homes, even when the shutters are closed, there is still light inside. It steals through cracks in the shutters and under the door. Now, 
is the light that comes through a crack in the keyhole or shutter. The same light that you'll find on the street? No. There's a big difference. On the street, you're directly receiving the rays of the sun. You look up and see the sun, and the rays are coming directly down upon you. But if you're inside a house, and the doors and windows are closed, so the light doesn't come indirectly, it comes in through some form of radiation. The light waves come in by devious ways, but it's not the same. Similarly, the Shekhinah is everywhere. Melochol means that wherever you turn, wherever you go, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there. And yet, there are some places where his splendor shines directly. There are some places where it's closer or more concentrated. Now you have to put this into your minds. Forget about philosophy. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, that's Lamala. It's above our ability to explain. But we have to get into our heads what he has revealed to us about himself. That he is Melochol Ha'aretz Kevoidoi. And in some places, he makes his presence more intense than other places. There's a Mishnah in Masechta Avos, in the third parak. Rabbi Chalafta ben Dosa ish kefar chananya omer, asara sheyoyishvin ve'oyskin batoira. When ten people gather together to learn Torah, shechina shruya benehem. The shechina is there too. You hear that? It's a Gemara too, Sanhedrin. Kol be asara shechinta sharia. Anytime ten Jews come together, the shechina is there. When you come to a Beis HaKnesses and there's a minion, or sometimes you make a private minion, you have to know the Shekhinah is there. Like right here, now. There are more than ten of us, all kosher Jews, Baruch Hashem. And you came together for the purpose, not for hearing jokes or amusement and entertainment, but to learn Torah. So the Shekhinah is here with us. You shouldn't slouch in your seat. You can straighten your necktie too. You have to be aware that the Shekhinah is here right now. Now, he goes on and says, What about five Jews? And he brings the Pasuk, that even if five Jews come together, it's true. Of course, it's a lesser Shekhinah. It's not the same Shekhinah as ten. But he is there. What about when three Jews come together for Avoidus Hashem? Yes, even three. And he brings a pasuk there to show that. And two, another pasuk. Two Yirei Hashem are talking. What do they talk about? They're talking Divrei Torah, of course. But Yakshev Hashem. Hashem is right there. And he's listening. Now, what about one person? Yes, even one from Jew who's learning, who's involved in Avodah Hashem. The Shekhinah is there. Like it says, Any place where my name is being mentioned, I will come there and bless you. We're learning here that if one Jew is sitting in his house and he's learning Torah, and let's say you happen to pass by and look through the window, don't look into anybody's house, by the way. When you pass by, don't look through the windows. But let's say by accident you saw him sitting by the window and learning. You have to know, the Shekhinah is over his head. Of course, you'll never see it unless you work very hard and train yourself to understand it. But the truth is that the Shekhinah is over his head 
over the head of an Oyved Hashem. That's why anyone who learned a little knows that among Jews, the proper way when dressing or undressing is to remain covered. Shulchan Aruch. Even if you're in a private room and the door is locked and the light is out, no one could see anything. Nevertheless, the scrupulous Jew dresses and undresses in such a manner that his body is never revealed. Now that's very surprising. The room is closed. The shades are down. It's dark. Nobody sees me. The answer is that somebody is there. Somebody with a capital S. The Shechina. The Shechina is always present in the Jewish home. And that's why we attempt to cover ourselves up in deference to the presence of the Shechina. Now the question is, what does covering help? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking, he can see through fabric. He can see through walls. So what will you accomplish by covering up? The answer is this. It's an exercise in the lesson of Vayaya Machanecha Kodosh Velo Yire Becha Ervadovar. By covering ourselves up every morning and every night and acting in a way that shows deference to the Shechina, we remind ourselves always of this great truth. Because it's not just a mashal, it's not poetry. The Shechina rests on the Am Yisroel, and we have to act accordingly. Now, when we talk about the presence of the Shekhinah, of course, the base Hamigdash comes to mind. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the command to erect the Mishkan, the first base Hamigdash, he stated, Vasuli Mikdash, they shall make for me a Mikdash, which means a holy place and a special place for me. Vishachanti Bitocham, and I shall dwell in their midst. We learn in a nutshell what is meant by a base Hamigdash. It's a place of Hashra's Hashkinah where the Shekhinah comes down. So imagine now that we had a Beis HaMikdash today, or that we're back in ancient times, when the Beis HaMikdash stood on the Harabais. And now let's say you were Zoichet to come into the Azara. You would come in with great awe, as if entering the palace of a mighty king. That's how it always was. Bisham Navadecha, Biyira, Kimei Oilam, Ukshanim Kodmaniot. We served you with fear. In the days of old. When someone approached the Beis Hamikdash, he did it with the greatest trepidation. That's why the Leviim were stationed around its gardens, not to let the Bnei Yisrael trespass. The Leviim stopped and interrogated him. Are you Tameh? Did you go to the Mikvah? Do you have Hazah if you were a Tameh Mace? They questioned him again and again. Nobody could just come in. That was the mitzvah of Umigdashi Tirao. You should be afraid of the Beis Hamikdash. But the Gemara in Yavama says something very important about this mitzvah. Let's say you're very much in fear. It's a feeling of awe. You're walking on your tiptoes. But our sages warn us to remember the following. Yachol yityare adam min hamikdash. I might think a person should be afraid of the Beis Hamikdash. Talmud Lomar. So the Pasuk says, No, Ani Hashem. It's me, Hashem, that you have to be thinking about. When you go to the mikvah before entering the mikdash, and when the Levim are interrogating you at the gates, or when you walk with trepidation in the mikdash, lo mi mikdash ata mit yore, ela mi mishihizhir al ha-mikdash. We're not doing that because we're in awe of the mikdash. It's Hashem that we're thinking about. You're walking with fear and respect because of me, shishikein shemo babayit hazeh. Hashem is in that building there. 
We act differently, not because of the building or the kahanim or the aron bris in the Kodesh Kadoshim. It's the presence of the Shekhinah that we're thinking about. Now, I know that today people will be quite satisfied if everybody would bow down to the Harabais. We wouldn't be boidek what the Kavana is, but we're talking about Amito Shel Torah. And the Torah truth is that we act differently because we know that Hashem is in the Mikdash. Now, although we don't have anything like that today, but the basic Knesset is a Mikdash Ma'at. It's a place where the Shekhinah is. That's why we have to behave differently in the shul. Not because it's a shul or because of the Aron. Not because the Rav is looking. It's because the Shekhinah is here. When you come into the Beis HaKnesses, you should enter with fear. Not that you walk in, you're Hamish. You say, Shalom Aleichem, and you joke around like you're back in your club with your old cronies again. It's not a club. It's a Ba'is Hashem. And when you walk in, you have to be afraid. The Shekhinah is here. The Yeshiva too. You have to be afraid when you come into the Beis HaMedrish. You have to act differently. Otherwise, Vishav Me'acharecha. The Shekhinah is absent. The Shekhinah is only in a place where people don't kibitz, where they don't joke around, where they stand with Derech Eretz. In a synagogue or a Beis HaMedrash of a yeshiva, you must demonstrate that you want the Shekhinah to come. But when you stand around even in the back and joke around and talk in a loud voice or laugh aloud, that makes the Shekhinah depart. It's a great tragedy, this matter of talking in the synagogues. It's a bizoyun, a disgrace for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. If a Gentile Lahavdil would come into a shul and see what type of place it is, he'd lose all interest, all respect. You have to realize that it's a great cancer of our nation, Chaz V'Shalom. It's a terrible cancer, this lack of respect for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, who wants to put his presence among us. People are shoving the Shekhinah away from the Machane. Here's a man who goes into a shul where the Shekhinah is present. People are learning or davening. And this nincompoop, this empty head, turns to his neighbor to exchange idle conversation. It means that he is negating everything that the presence of the Shekhinah represents. The Shekhinah is not worth anything in comparison to his little unimportant desires. Chas v'shalom. And so it's Chilu Hashem. He's profaning the glory of Hashem. You don't want the Shekhinah to depart from your shul. You have to read to them what is written in the Tur and the Shulchan Aruch. It says, Kol Anybody who talks unnecessary talk, he has to be scolded. Of course, if something is dangerous, you have to tell someone, watch out. But otherwise, don't talk. And if he does talk, then he's a sinner. And you have to scold him, not only because he's interrupting and he's bothering others, but because he's ignoring the Shekhinah. Such a sin is Gadol Avono Minso. It's a sin that can never be forgiven. That's a terrible thing to say, but that's how it is. To be Mechalel Shem Shamayim in such a brazen way means that your sin is too big to be forgiven. That's why he has to be told off. All around, that's how it should be. If somebody is talking, everyone should start shouting, Sha! 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 And you have to say it over and over again. Din it into his ears. 
din it into the ears of the people. And nobody should say, don't be melamed choiva on the Am Yisrael, because the Shulchan Aruch says that. The Torah says that. So what you're telling me is, don't teach Torah to the people. People must be told. You have to throw it into their teeth again and again until finally some people will listen. Not because you like to yell. Not because you're from. It's because you have awareness of the Shechina that walks among you. And if this cancer has reached your shul and you cannot heal it, you leave. Unless you're a very important personality there, nothing will happen. You're not going to change them. So find a better place, a place where they respect the presence of the Shechina. At least yourself, you should rescue. Find a base Knesset where people walk in politely. They don't talk divrei chol, and they behave respectfully. I'll tell you something even more. You might not agree with me, but I don't have to agree with you either. Imagine a synagogue where a man comes in and he yawns aloud. He stretches, he raises up his arms, and he yawns. Now, is that an Avera to yawn? I can't say that. But one thing is for sure, it's not respectful of the Shechina who's there with you. Now, don't tell me it's a yawn. It can't be helped. Yawning is not involuntary, and I'll prove it to you now. Because when you're standing in front of the mayor, although the mayor, especially the New York City mayor, is a zero Shibizeros, you wouldn't yawn in front of him. No matter what, you wouldn't yawn because you have a little bit of respect for him. Or suppose you're standing with a beautiful young woman who's being introduced to you and it's a marriage prospect. You're not going to yawn. It would never even enter your mind. And even if it would, you would stifle it. You know, I saw great people who understood that. I had a Rebbe in Europe who I admired very much. And I used to watch him closely. I kept my eyes on him. And I can tell you that he never yawned once. I looked at him for years and years. And he never yawned once. Maybe he yawned when nobody was around. That I can't tell you. But he never yawned once in the base medrash. He never scratched himself. Never. I know why. His Rebbe taught him that. His Rebbe was the altar of Slobodka. And he was what you call an ois gerechtemensch. He lived with a cheshbon. He knew what it was and what it meant to live in the presence of a Baruch Hu. Yawning is almost always a sign of disregard, that you don't care at all. And not only are you not interested, but you're not even respectful enough to hide the fact that you're not interested. And so a person who is sitting in the shul or base medrash, and he has an awareness of the Shechina that is Shoire Yisrael, that he is Mishalech Bekerev Machane, he'll never yawn. Now, we can't leave this subject of the Shechina Shoire Yisrael and the conduct it demands of us without speaking about the Shechina that is present in the Jewish home. Because as much as the Shechina is present in the base Knesses and the base medrash, the Jewish home is also a place where the Shechina resides. That's why when Bilam saw the Jewish nation camped in the wilderness for the first time, he got so excited that he said, Ma tovu ohalecha Yaakov. How beautiful are your tents, Yaakov? Now some people say that ohalecha means the Batri Midrash and the Batri Knesses. And that's a good drash. It's true. But the plain Peshat is a Jewish home. Matovu alecha. How beautiful is the Jewish home? What was so beautiful that Bilam saw? 
He saw expensive chandeliers, fancy carpets and curtains. Oh, no. Bilam wasn't such a fool to be impressed by such hollow and worthless things. And anyhow, the tents of Yaakov were poor little tents. They slept on bags on the ground, and they didn't have much furniture in those tents. So what was so beautiful? Bilam didn't see tents. He saw palaces. Palaces of Yoshed and Kedusha and Sneas and Shalom. He saw orderliness and punctuality and discipline. He saw decency in those tents. Vayaret Yisroel shoichen lishvotov. Bilam saw Yisroel dwelling according to their families. She'ein pitchehen mechuvanin ze keneged ze. The tents were pitched in such a way that never did one doorway of a tent face another doorway. Babavasra. It was planned with the utmost precision so that if you opened up the flap of the doorway of your tent and your neighbor did so at the same time, you couldn't look into his tent, and he couldn't look into yours. You know why? So that you shouldn't see your neighbor's wife. You hear such a thing? To be so circumspect and discreet. And it was difficult, too, because you were jammed together. There were at least 600,000 tents, probably many more. And Bilam didn't see a single case where this rule wasn't obeyed. He saw that it was a nation that lived according to the regulations, down to the smallest detail. A nation that not only had the Shekhinah in their homes, but a nation whose conduct brought the Shekhinah into their homes. And so he said, Such a people who are so careful when it comes to chastity and perfection of behavior are worthy that the Shekhinah should rest on them. A Jewish home is a Beis Hamikdash. You know... We're accustomed to it already, so we don't appreciate what we have. But if we would stop and think, we'd see that the Jewish home is the summit of civilization. Where do you find a house like a Jewish house? Nobody can even remotely equal the Jewish home. The world has to look up to our homes for good character, for kindliness, for chastity, for decency, for everything good. And so when you pass by a home and you see a big mezuzah on the door, you know inside is a base hamigdash. The Shekhinah resides there. No matter how poor the home is, the walls are cracking, the window curtains are shabby and frayed, and the furniture is on its last legs. But the fact that the Shekhinah is present transforms that little humble dwelling into the most beautiful palace. And even though the inhabitants inside don't realize it, they're humble people, they won't praise themselves, but we ourselves must learn to appreciate what's doing in that home. The Shekhinah is there. That's why a chasana is so important. It's the foundation of a mikdash, the creation of a place for the Shekhinah to reside. That's why whenever a couple gets married, the Shekhinah comes down under the chuppah. The father and mother are there. The mechutonim are there too. But there's another guest. HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself is there. How do I have the boldness to say such a thing? It's a Gemara in Sota. Our sages tell us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ish ve'isha shalom b'neihem. When they come together, Shechina b'neihem. The Shechina is there. And Rashi explains, The Yud of the Ish and the Hey of the Isha combine. And that's Yud, K. That's the name of Hashem. The Shechina is there. It's a glorious opportunity when a man speaks to a woman and he says, at, at that moment, the Shekhinah descends and becomes the third partner in their marriage. 
when the chassan says, Hare at at that moment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu chimes in and says, I'm here too. The poor chassan, his head is not there. At least, if the Masader Kedushin would do a chesed and whisper in his ear just before he takes out the ring and says, Do you know what you're going to do now? You're bringing down the Shechina between you and your Kala now. So at least the chassan can awake from his stupor and he'll try at least to think what's taking place. I once did that. I whispered into the ear of a chassan before he put the ring on. Think that the Shekhinah is coming down now. And that remains forever. Not only at the chassanah, it remains forever. They told of a certain chassidah Rebbe who used to think this way. When he looked at his wife, he imagined that he saw the Shekhinah between him and his wife. He worked on it. He took it seriously because it's true. The Shekhinah is always in the home of a from married couple as long as they live together. It's true, husbands and wives are different. By nature, they're entirely different. But the presence of Hashem overrides everything else. Who cares if your wife has certain interests and you have different interests? She likes to talk. You don't like to talk. It makes no difference. Both together are united in the great ideal of building a Jewish tabernacle of Avodah Hashem, a place where the Shechina resides. So who cares if there are puny little differences? Everything is puny when it's compared to that. That's why if Chas Shalom she becomes wild and she runs away, she wants a get, and she calls the police and drives him out of the house. She's making a Chorban Beis Hamikdash. The Gemara in Gittin says that if for some reason they broke up their marriage, Khalila, Mizbeach moirid alav dimaot, the Mizbeach weeps for that. Why does it weep? Because the Shechino was sent away. The base Hamigdash has been destroyed and you weep for the Churban base Hamigdash. Now all of this means we have to change our attitudes. It requires an entirely new attitude, an entirely new appreciation of the Jewish home which should create an entirely new way of behaving in the home. You know, the Telzerav, Zichron Levracha, never took off his kapoita in his house. Even in the summertime, he was always dressed for the Shechina. There's another Rav, a certain Ungarish Rav, who would never let his children lie down on the sofa in the daytime. He trained them. They're always in the presence of a Melech. Now, I'm not going to say that you have to go that far, but something should be different in your attitude when you know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Meshalech Bekerev Machaneh, that he is actually there. I'm not saying it's easy. It takes work. It could be it's uncomfortable sometimes. The Shechina is crowding in on you. But that's how you build a successful home. You have to practice thinking about that. And Habal Tahir Misayinlo. You'll succeed eventually. It should be an ambition of yours. We wish to bring the Shechina into our house. Look, nobody is a malach. Nobody is completely successful. There are ups and downs. There are failures. Sometimes there are minor tragedies. But always a husband and wife should keep before their eyes a mutual ideal. We want this place to be the base Hamigdash. And if we live successfully, even partially successfully, by trying to bring a little Kedusha into our lives, by making our home a place that's roi, that's fitting for the Shechina, then we've lived on this earth for a purpose. We've succeeded. And that's why we have to remind ourselves always, whenever you come into this house, when you're getting back from work, you should put into your mind, 
This place where I'm coming into now is Kadosh. As you walk through the frame of the door, there is a mezuzah on the doorpost. It should remind you that the Shekhinah dwells on the Bnei Yisrael. And in order to appreciate that as much as possible, we have to behave in accordance with that recognition. If you want the Shekhinah to remain in a home, there must be good manners there. If somebody is always shouting, or if somebody is mean, if they say impolite words in a home, so you can't expect the Shekhinah to remain there, that's a rule. It must be a place of respect. Otherwise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not be present. So let's say you're standing in the kitchen, and your wife or husband said something that irritates you. First thing to remember is that the Shekhinah is in the kitchen too. Oh, that's something different already. You're going to get angry with the Shechina in the room? You can't do that. A person gets angry. He shows he's not thinking about the Shechina at all. Think of the Shechina. You're getting angry? It means you're forgetting about Hashem? It's like atheism. And therefore, thinking about the Shechina requires that we behave in a certain way. And that's very important for us. It's not merely that we avoid the sin of Kaas. It's much bigger than that. We avoid the very great mum, the blemish of not perceiving the presence of Hashem. That's our function in the home, to always behave in a way that's befitting the presence of the Shekhinah. It has to be emphasized to the children too. Children, when you come into the house, come with derech eretz into the house, Know that this is a house where the Shekhinah is. It's not a bus stop. It's not a library, chas v'sholom. Our house is a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds nachas ruach. And he resides here with us. I always tell the story of a Jewish woman from Europe. When the children were little and they were romping. And one child wanted to sit on the table. So she drove him off the table. You can't sit on a Jewish table. A Jewish table is Kadosh. That's what she said. It's holy. A Jewish table. Of course, they don't always listen, but it goes into their heads. On this table, we eat kosher. We put sidurim on this table. We make brachas at the table, and we say divrei Torah. What else is kedusha if not a Jewish table? That's how it used to be, and that's how we should understand forever. Children should be made to understand what's doing in a Jewish home, and therefore they can participate in making it more kadosh. You can tell them, every time you do something good in this house, you are making the house even more Kaddush. Every time you open a sefer, every time you daven, every time you say, Birkas Amazon, any bracha you make in the house, the house is becoming more and more Kaddush. Now, in case your wife doesn't share with you these great ideals, she's not thinking these thoughts. So you do it yourself. Even though your wife doesn't talk about it, you speak about it. Many times, your wife is also influenced. Sometimes, she's the one who's speaking about it, and the husband, not so much. Let her continue to speak. The children will listen. He'll listen, too. It'll influence everyone in the house when they hear that this is a home where the Shekhinah resides. You cannot allow newspapers into the house. You want to read newspapers. Read them while they're on the newsstands. Pass by and read them. That's enough. Don't bring a newspaper into your house. Today especially, the newspapers are terrible. What they talk about, what they approve of, the New York Times or the New York Post is like Tsoa. It's going to smell up your house. 
Now I understand that some people are so accustomed to the bad smell that they think it's natural, but that won't help. When the soldier has to move his bowels, so that was natural too, but the Torah says, go out of the camp and cover it up. A newspaper today is like a dung heap, a pile of manure. And the magazines, plenty of magazines are full of dirt. It could be that many years ago, there might have been a magazine that catered to housewives. It was full of recipes and dressmaking and good advice for raising children. But today, it's terrible. These filthy magazines are polluting the Jewish homes. Don't tell me you just read it. It has no effect. It has an effect. It leaves over a bad smell. Library books, too. In the public libraries, there is no end of dirty books. Today, that's all they offer, even for children. You can't have a home where the Shekhinah resides that smells bad. However, there's something worse than that, and that's television. There are not enough words to speak about this great evil that has inundated the homes. I don't like to step on people's toes, but a house with a TV is not a Jewish house. It's impossible to have a base amigdash with a television in it. Imagine the Kohen Gadol went into the Kodesh Kadoshim with a little portable television in his hand. There would be no Shechina there. That's why when people call me up for information about a Shidduch and they ask me, is there a TV in that house? What do I say? I say, I don't give information about Shidduchim. When there's no TV, I say, no TV. Now you know the secret, if you'll call me up. Oh, he's a nice boy. Find me this. He's learning. A Baal Kishon. Very good. But do they have television in the home? It's a very important question. Shiduchim are going to be rejected in the years to come because of televisions. And that's because there are no two ways about it. Either you have a mikdash or you have a television. It cannot be both. Anybody who has a big dish on his roof has a keli of tsoa over his house with special wires to bring excrement into his house. That man, you should know, is ruining his family. He's chasing away the shechina from his home. What's the use of building a house? What's the use of supporting a wife if it won't be a place for the shechina? That it should be just an Italian home, a Puerto Rican home. It's a tragedy. The biggest honor for a Jewish family is that they're residing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And the more you put into it, the bigger and more beautiful badge of honor you're wearing. It's Hashem, Mishalech, Bekerev Machane. And so just like the Yased, Al Eitzenecha, the wooden spade hanging with the other weapons was a badge of honor. Rabbeinu Bechya said that. It was a sign of greatness, a badge of honor that the Shechina walked with them. So to every time you act differently in your home, or the Beis Knesses, or the Yeshiva, because you know that the Shechina is there, you're also pinning on your lapel, another badge of honor. Because it means that the Shechina is not somewhere out in space. It's not someplace in a distant galaxy. The Shechina is by us. The Shechina is right here where Jews are living and where Jews are practicing the laws of the Torah. And as much as we are aware of that greatness we possess, the more successfully we'll live. And we'll continue to live that way together with our Kadosh Baruch Hu, until finally he brings us back to Yerushalayim and rebuilds the Beis HaMikdash where we'll all see his presence on a much grander and more majestic scale. Have a wonderful Shabbos. 
Let's get practical. Envisioning the Shekhinah. It is a Torah truth that the Shekhinah resides by the Am Yisrael. Our Avoidah is to constantly be aware of the Shekhinah and as much as possible to live our lives in a way that expresses our regard for His presence. Belina, there this week, I will practice the lesson from our Parsha by spending one minute each day in my home or my shul thinking that the Shekhinah is right in front of me and behaving appropriately for such an experience.